Zhang Weili is now a champion. Now all we need is Louisianian. With the fired selections and the fired reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, oh, oh fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. That was a poorly timed meow. Get out of here, Goose. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast. The podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man, and apparently his cat. My name is Juice, and I am that man. Ignore the cat. This week was amazing. How was your week? Well, let me start by telling you how, you how my week was. I was in fucking Mexico, bitches! was in Riviera Maya. Oh my god, it was the fucking time of my life. Let me tell you, I fucking swam with dolphins. Uh, damn near got robbed in Playa del Carmen. When I say damn near got robbed, I don't mean literally robbed. I mean, they like they basically try and fuck tourists in the ass. And when I say ass, I mean bank account uh, by just telling them lies and um, uh, sob stories. Uh, not a good place to be a tourist, but um, otherwise had a lovely time. Man, uh, had a spa day, uh, did some like art classes. We, my wife did a little finger painting um, on this tile, which is really amazing. The food was off the chain, except one thing, dude. And this is like, I couldn't even believe this. They don't know how to make scrambled eggs in Mexico. And I, I have no idea why. Like if you order like huevos rancheros, for example, it's supposed to come with sunny side up eggs. And and that's like sunny side up eggs are meant to be runny and like that's fine, and it kind of goes there. But I always like to do scrambled eggs. By the way, I should probably address the fact that uh, yes, I'm vegan. You guys know this, but since it's so difficult to do that on vacation, I decided to be a vegetarian for this trip. So I eat plenty of eggs, which I I typically cheat on for protein anyway. Um, but and other things. However, if you order scrambled eggs in Mexico, they're runny as shit for no reason. It's like, oh, did you want wet eggs or dry eggs? Like, I had a bit there that I was going to go with, but it wasn't, like, I don't even know what I was going. It's just so, like, not good. But everything else was delicious. Everything else was top-notch. Even the Italian food. Like, there's a restaurant um, at the resort called Mi Carisa. Like, it was an Italian place. And even the Italian food was great, uh, which you wouldn't expect to be their specialty. But they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. And speaking of, well, not really speaking of, but what concluded our trip was like basically at the time we were getting ready and having our last breakfast before we had to leave is the time that the fights were going on. So I kind of shut off all social media and everything and and stayed away from like any ESPN updates or whatever because I knew I'd be missing them and I had to watch them later. But an update came in that I couldn't fucking ignore, which was Zhang Wei Li, TKO's Jessica Andrade inside of one minute. And I was like, holy shit. And then I look up and, and the, the bar at the hotel was never like I, the TV in the bar, at the hotel was never like playing any, any sports that I saw. And I look up and they literally had the finish on, on, on ESPN. And I was like, dude, what? And, um, and then, uh, shout out to Jim Asun coming in clutch with that clip, um, uh, posting it on Twitter. I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, I can't watch anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't. 
because I was just so there was like some other fights I was looking forward to, and I was like, I can't, I can't spoil this. I needed to be watching them in real time. So I went back and watched them, and man, um, for for a card that didn't have a lot of names, a lot of stars, it was pretty exciting as far as the main uh, main card goes. So let's run that down real quick. Um, I had predicted that Yan Yanan Wu probably pronouncing that terribly, would beat Mizuki Inoue. That was wrong. Although it was a close fight. It was a split decision. Um, one of the judges had it for Wu. Um, I did have it for Mizuki, um, which even though I didn't pick her, but a very close fight. It, it was interesting how the size didn't matter, and she just kind of was like walking her down. And um, Yanan had some interesting counters, but none of them landed. Um, it was like Mizuki had an answer for everything, so... That was some, but th- but that was a dogfight. Like the last like thirty seconds was kind of like a strawweight version of Max Holloway Ricardo Lamas. Like they just kind of went for it in the last little stretch there, which was nice. And Mizuki got the win, so good for her. And um, carrying on the Inoue name, even though she's not related to Anson Inoue. Um, one of the bouts that I was excited for apparently got canceled, which was Mike Grundy versus Mofsar Evloev. Um, did not see that at all. Don't know what happened there. Someone fill me in, please. Cause like I said, I turned off all, I was on Twitter most of the week. Like I was trying to be pretty, you know, good to my lady and, uh, just enjoy the time. Dude, I want to go to Mexico again right now. Like it was such, such, such an amazing time. But back to reality, the, another fight that I was really excited for, Kai Cara France beating Mark De La Rosa. Before that, um, we had uh, Derek Krantz losing to um, Kanan Song, which was an incredible fight, but I didn't cover it last week, so I didn't feel the need to like talk about it. But, but holy shit, dude, that, that was great, um, especially the third round. They're both just tired, but kind of trying to squeeze every last bit of energy they had into all their punches. I, lo- I love that. I love when a guy fights until the fucking bells are just the wheels are just gone you know what i mean but kai car france and mark de la rosa i thought put on uh, an exciting fight as well i thought kai car france would dominate the striking as he pretty much did and that mark de la rosa could potentially dominate the grappling however kai stuffed those early takedowns no problem even got a slam of his own and then after that it was like mark didn't even try he was like well i know how this is gonna go and then Mark surprised me on the feet. I'm not gonna lie. Like there were some, there were some times where like, oh, I don't know how they scored that. Like, could this be? I mean, ultimately the judges had it 30-27 for Kai, or two of them did, and one of them I think 29-28 for Mark, um, which was kind of surprising. I I think I had a 29-28, um, but um, I don't disagree with the 30-27s. It wasn't like too too bad, but uh, Kai winning is good in my opinion. I think he's more, a little bit more marketable. He trains with Israel and Volkanovski and um, Dan Hooker and those guys like City Kickboxing out of Auckland doing some really good stuff there. And I think he's just like energy is more sellable. I don't know. He sounds like he, he kind of wants a quick turnaround. I think he might try and get on that, that Melbourne card if he can find an opponent. So we'll see. Not a lot of flyweights um, to go around, but maybe someone will step up. Who knows? Uh, and that was uh, that was also <laughs> one of two fights that I predicted correctly. So that's also why I love that fight, um, shamelessly. 
Now, the the thing that I was probably most excited to, other than the main event, was the co-main, and that was Eliseu Zaleski Dos Santos um, versus Li Jingliang. I was expecting Dos Santos to try try more spinning shit, but I I, I guess that goes to show the respect for um, Jingliang's power and just his overall skill set because it was more of a of a technical battle on the feet and. Jing Liang or Jing Liang or however you pronounce it, the the leech, let's call him, was fucking his boxing was was crisp. It was on point. And to be honest, he probably would have got the nod, but I I don't know. Like if he hadn't got the TKO, like the t- the the finish came what like four fifty one into the like it was like ten seconds left or so. Um, uh, with the third round so likely it would have gone to him at least two of those rounds if not all of them but it was such a close fight that i don't know so it was it was good that he got that kind of stamp on it and man like the the third round especially was very close up until that moment and when he dropped them i was like oh that's fucking this is over and uh he got it done so good for him he's also like <laughs> to that post fight inter- interview was like so weird to me and the translator was clearly having a hard time keeping up and he would, he would be like kind of soft and respectful and like e- probably easy to keep up with and then at the last second he would be like yeah like he's like so high-pitched and like constricted in his throat that i was like dude how can you understand like obviously i don't speak the language and it's probably easier for someone that does I'm not saying that but just in terms of understanding him in general as a translator that has to go back and forth like that's so hard and so he literally at the end he translated what little english there was in that speech to chinese and then just said china power and i was like uh okay that's cool but um nice uh, that he got his wife and his daughter in the octagon he was so emotional like he hugged the fucking security guard like that was funny to me um i like this guy even though he's a dirty fucking fighter he was not dirty in this fight which was good to see. And let me tell you something else that was good to see. Weili Zhang, or Zhang Weili, not sure how to pronounce it, or what order, I think it's Zhang Weili, um, beating Jessica Andrade. Now, there's a lot of people that are going to say, you know, I and anyone else who picked her are, are just wanting to kind of be like kind of I told you so kind of thing. But I really I really thought she had something that... that could answer Andrade. Um, her counter striking is as good as any in that division. And Jessica Andrade just kind of fucking comes forward. And Whaley has power in her hands for that for that weight class. Like relatively speaking, probably one of the harder hitting strawweights other than Andrade. So that to me was 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 impressive. And a lo- I saw a lot of people like again I, I tried to stay off Twitter for the most part, but I saw a lot of people trying to um, talk about the the strikes being to the back of the head to me this was not um this is not good especially the multiple angles i think i saw Caposa um tweeted out there was a gif that was like from the four not the one that they showed live but one from the other side and you can clearly see it was the side and not only that the strikes made contact with the ear and if it touches even if it's like kind of you know sort of on the side and the back if it touches the ear that's legal. If it makes contact with the ear in any way, that's legal. So I thought it was a solid win. Um, we'll see what happens in the aftermath, um, what they have in store for her. I don't know. 
I mean, does she get the winner of uh, Michelle Waterson and Joanna uh, um, Jacek? Now, Whaley did call out Joanna before because she didn't know if she was going to get the title shot, and they didn't they didn't make that fight. So if Joanna wins, I would kind of like to see her not get rewarded with that. Because it seemed like like she, Whaley was calling for that fight for a while, and Yoana was like, "No." So if she only takes the fight now that she's a champion, like that kind of shit pisses me off, and I don't know why. Like from a business standpoint, it makes sense from rankings that they've got a lot to to lose and not a lot to gain from fighting down as a former champion because people are always looking to build their name. You know, oh, she was a former champion. Look who I, I beat, um, which is totally ridiculous sometimes. I mean, we have got guys like. Uh, I'm not even going to get into it and kind of name names, but there's some people that are like former champions that are like shells of themselves. So beating them is not really like uh, a feather in your cap, in my opinion. But uh, nonetheless, a, a stellar performance. And uh, you could do any of those matchups, and, I, and I, I, I buy it. But one thing that was kind of the narrative leading up to this fight was I'm talking about how like, there's never been a Chinese champion, and you know, the UFC is trying to break into that market. They really need it. So there's going to be a lot of talk about, oh, was it fixed, or did they did USADA look the other way, or what, or all this kind of stuff. And you know, you can sit there and make those cases. I mean, I've always, I've always taken this stance, like, like as MMA fans, like we love to embrace conspiracy theories and kind of be like, oh, this was some some shady dealings. But fight fixing is like a serious allegation and they can lose their promoter's license. You know, if, if the fighters were part of it and, um, and the promotion was not the fighters could lose their license. Like there's just, there's just a lot that goes into it. So I always like to assume the best when it comes to that department and I'm just happy for her. Uh, She looks super happy in there. It was awesome to see. I for some reason I don't see her being like this dominant champion. Um, Strawweight is stacked enough that I I think if Tatiana Suarez can heal that neck injury, um, she can give um, Zhang some problems. And I would love to see that matchup. To be honest, I would love to see Tatiana versus anyone like her. I think she's like should be fighting for the belt next. And uh, you know whoever gets it, whether she waits for the winner of. You know Michelle Waterson and Yoanayon Jacek to get their shot, and maybe one of them becomes champion. Like I don't know, honestly, um, any of those are are good uh, matchups in my opinion. I guess that's all I have to say about um, UFC Shenzhen. Of course, I didn't see it live, so I wasn't as invested in that sense because you're always going to get spoilers no matter what. But from what I saw, it was a fun card. And um, something that was probably worth getting up a little early for. And I don't mind those early cards, dude, because then you have the rest of your day to get shit done. It's awesome. And so on that note, we're going to take a quick break and then get into some current events. And we're back. Thanks for enduring that. But now let's talk about some current events. And again... I'm probably going to say this a bunch of times. I was pretty much off of social media, but I did see some headlines that grabbed my interest and I wanted to talk about. And um, first up in that list 
is that BJ Penn video that came out. Dude, when is enough enough? Like, I'm not one of those people that has a reverence for BJ Penn. To me, at this point, he is someone who we need to say stop. Like, why is this Nick Lentz fight even happening? In my opinion, the commission should be looking at that shit. Him getting knocked out cold in the street and his head clattering on the concrete and being like, dude, you do not need to be fighting. Stop. Like, enough is enough. When, when, when are we going to save him from himself? Like, I know there's this, there's a whole narrative about him being like a like a drug addict and he uses the fight camps to kind of, you know, stay clean because he gets a little more disciplined and he has to exercise. But come on, do something. Let's get him in rehab. He has a ton of money. Not only did he get some money fighting, his parents have money, he owned land. Like, he comes from money. Get him in fucking rehab. And that's it, dude. That's it. I'm not sure I'm going to even tune into the fight with Nick Lentz. And of course, on the night, I'll probably forget that I said this. And, you know, it's going to be in the middle of the card. So I'm not going to want to walk away. So there's that. But I firmly believe he should not be fighting anymore. Like, just stop. Enough is a goddamn enough. And I even saw some people that normally make jokes about these these sort of things being like really serious online. Like, hey man, this is getting depressing and I don't want to see it anymore. And, and the thing is, dude, like that guy, and you can talk about the, the fact that there's two clips and like, oh, one looked like BJ was whooping his ass. It doesn't matter. All that matters is the is the outcome of, of BJ on the fucking concrete. Like... There's a guy out there who's saying he knocked out a, a fucking UFC Hall of Famer and and one of one of a small handful of people who won belts in two different weight classes. That's a reality. It sucks. It's absolutely garbage. And he's not the best human. So not that I take joy in seeing that, but it's not like he's a hero getting knocked out. But it's still very fucking sad. The fact that he's like on this losing streak, that's just like terrible. Dude. They should be playing the fucking clip of him, not only this fight, but also his fight with Yair Rodriguez on loop in his house and in the gym so that he never comes back. Dude, when I watched that Yair Rodriguez fight, I felt like those kids in the fucking Simpsons, that gift that people was like, stop, he's already dead. That's what I felt like. Like not only was it bad before that, Yair hit him with like six unanswered kicks to the body with the same leg. I believe it was the left leg. Just like, just whipped him right in the fucking midsection. And then, I believe the ref was Big John. He was still refing at the time. Whoever the hell it was, 
did BJ, well, didn't really do him any favors, but was trying to give him every opportunity to recover because Yair had to land hammer fist after hammer fist before they fucking stopped that fight. It was absolutely insane. So they should be playing that and this street fight video on loop in front of his face so that he never comes back. And and, and that's what they said about the Nicholas fight. He said this is going to be his last one, but is it? If he's already doing this kind of shit in the streets, in the lead-up, what's to say he's not going to try and fight another promotion? The UFC says they're done. Dana also said that after the third Frankie Edgar fight, he said, I don't want to make any money off BJ Penn anymore. But classic Dana, going back on his word, oh, so terrible. So terrible. And now I've and now I've given this way much more time than it deserves because it was a shit video. TMZ is a shit outlet for posting it, and we're all part of the problem, feeding into it. Let me tell you about a video that's positive, though. Gregor Gillespie, for the first time in his life making a halfway, maybe less than halfway decent call-out of Anthony Pettis. Dude, as far as call-outs go, it wasn't the best. Everyone uses the Weedy Box uh, when it comes to Anthony Pettis. But the fact that he was, like, eating it, and he was like, I've never called anyone out, and I want to make it count, and he's, like, sitting there with his fucking northern New York dialect and just shoveling the Wheaties in his mouth. I was like, okay, Gregor, you trying. You fishing, (laughs) as he likes to do. But I like that fight a lot. Uh, Gregor Gillespie needs some, you know, a step up in competition. And even though Anthony Pettis, there's a blueprint to beat him. And that definitely, uh, can be a wrestler. You know what I mean? Uh, Anthony Pettis can still probably beat, um, all the people that Gregor has beat. You know, he's definitely a step up in competition. I'd say from his, from his last few opponents, and if Pettis is interested in going back to 55, I would love to see that fight. Um, like I said, Gregor Gillespie, I've said this before on the podcast, um, he needs to stop talking about fishing and start fighting. we gotta, we got to see this guy uh, fight for the belt one day. Not be fighting, I don't know, debutantes and fucking like... The way he was going before he ever like made a call out, he was going to be that guy that would fight anyone looking breaking in the top fifteen or someone making their debut. Like he was going to be that guy or someone they would test prospects against. That's what he was going to be. And now with this call out, he's making a step toward being a legit contender. And so I praise you, Double G. Not quite Triple G. We'll see. That that was a terrible rhyme. Uh, moving on, and this is the last little bit of news I want to talk about before we get into the forum. Uh, this is something else that could potentially be a mismatch, but I'm still excited for it. Carlos Condit versus Mickey Gall for UFC in Washington, D.C. Dude, UFC Washington, D.C. is shaping up to be quite the card. Um, we got the Reem versus Wild Harris at the top of the bill. Um, I've already talked about the, the numerous other matchups that they've announced. I believe um, Molly McCann is one of them, or she could be fighting in the Boston card. Anyway, 
this is this is an awesome fight, and and it's interesting because Mickey Gall, like again, wasted his call out by calling out Diego Santos again and saying I didn't get the message. But I think the UFC took that and was like, all right, you won fight a veteran that's on their way out. Let's give you Carlos Condit. And dude, the natural born killer is not an easy out for anybody. Now, like Mickey can win this fight with his jujitsu, but he's got to get it there in the first place. And Carlos Condit is not easy to take down. And Mickey Gall doesn't really have the wrestling to get it there. Um, he really gets his submissions from people shooting on him. Or um, he'll sort of take the back from the fence. And I don't see that happening with Carlos Condit. He was getting he was getting lit up a little bit by um, that poor gentleman he faced in, at the newer card. Whoever that was. So Carlos Condit hitting him with those. Like that's fun. I still like Mickey's chances because he's younger. You know, he's uh, making strides in his striking with Joe Schilling. But uh, this could be a nice farewell fight for Carlos as well. So fights like that that have kind of a story where, you know, there's implications on either side. If Mickey Call beats Carlos, again, former champion. He's a former interim champion, so people always like to use that whenever they've, they've beaten him. You know, that's a good um, step forward in his career. And if Carlos Condit can get past a young up-and-comer, you know, he can prove that he's still got it or go out on top with a with a solid win. So interesting matchup there. And that, my guys and gals, concludes this segment. We're going to now step into the forum. Ba-ba-da-ba! Now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, The Forum. This is the part where we get to hear from everyone from MMA Twitter, um, all your different thoughts and opinions, sometimes your literal voices, sometimes figurative voices. Um, it's the best. It's uh, it's all just to kind of help build the community, which is something that I, I am really proud of, uh, really proud to be a part of. So um, let's get it started. The first question comes from my girl G from Woe TV. Um, she said, let's just say Conor McGregor never fought Floyd Mayweather. How different would his career be? And this to me is like such an interesting question. She asked it also to um, the the boys at Split Decision Podcast. That's the MMA dude and the Fight Geek. A really awesome show. Um, their last one, one of the best they've ever done in my opinion. Really enjoyed that one. And it was awesome to, like, I listened to it right before I got on the plane to come back. And it was just, just perfect to get me in the mood for um, for watching these fights that just happened. Uh, incredible. Incredible podcast. Incredible people. Support your fucking people. Dude, if you follow us on social media and you're not listening to the podcast, take a fucking hike, dude. That's what I think. So, and G as well. Dude, G... And Michael Morgan have the woe cost. And uh, that they do a good job with as well. I love I love hearing his voice. He's like, welcome to the woe cost. I'm joined as always by my co-host G from Woe TV. G, what's on your mind? Hi, Michael. Oh, it's so good. I love it. 
But let's let's get to the question. I really wanted to um, shout out Split Split Decision Podcast because their answer I really love, particularly with the fight he had to say about um, Connor being more beloved by the fans. So I won't. I'll, I'll let you check it out because um, uh, you should hear it firsthand, and, and you know that also forces you to, to check him out. But um, I kind of agree. Now I want to give my own spin as well. So Connor really was poking the bear in terms of Floyd Mayweather for a long time. So it's hard to say what his career would be like if he never fought him, because that actually was a pretty big part of his career. And I don't know, I don't know if it was the first time he ever talked about it, but it's the first time I remember. Um, Connor did an interview on Conan, uh, like right before, UFC 189 when he fought Chad Mendez and and Conan was like oh you're 145 Floyd fights at I think he was saying 147 or whatever I don't know boxing weights because I'm not a boxing cuck but um he was saying oh it's not really the same but how do you think you would do and Conor said something interesting which is like and and if you if you went back and listened to this before the Mayweather McGregor fight it was it was interesting to hear him say this and how his narrative changed. But he, but he was like, "I've said it before, boxing is not the style that can beat Floyd." That said, there are many styles that can. Uh, and then he said, "If you ask me if I would I like to get to dance around the ring for thirty six minutes for thirty six million, of course I will go in and fight Floyd." And it sounded like he was saying that like, "Eh, boxing him would be a waste of time. Let him come to MMA." And that would be absolutely fucking brutal for floyd i mean connor would toy with him any mma fighter a fucking a donk on the prelims would toy with floyd Mayweather in mma in in that rule set they could take him down they could just batter him with leg kicks from the outside they could do anything they wanted that said the the floyd mayweather fight with conor mcgregor i think was for, for the latter like two years leading up to that was a big part of his career. He was winning those belts so that he could get to that status to get that big fight, to be uh, his own boss. He got a promoter check for that fight. He used that also to launch his whiskey. So not only would his career be different, his whole life would be different if he never got that fight. Um, But I think if it didn't ever come to fruition, he probably would have stayed in MMA uh, because... His coach, John Kavanaugh, said in a couple of interviews something really interesting um, right after the Eddie Alvarez fight. And if you'll remember leading up to that at the press conference when he said, um, oh, who the fuck is that guy to Jeremy Stevens, uh, or maybe another one, uh, Connor had said, or no, actually, it might have been the one that that led up to that question because they said, what's next? And Jeremy was like, me, the hardest hitting 145-er. Um, but they asked what, what would be next for Connor um, if he were to beat Eddie. And he was like, I don't know. Maybe I'll drag Floyd Mayweather out of bed. Uh, and um, after that fight, I guess the story goes as far as John Cavanaugh tells it. They were at their after party or whatever. And uh, John said, congratulations on a great career. And Connor's like, what do you mean? My career's not over. He's like, well, you've done everything else. And Connor was like, shit. And that's really when you started hearing more talks about the Floyd fight. He did that um, Q&A, the live Q&A with Ariel Hawani in Manchester, I believe it was, or somewhere. And, uh, you know, 
as the newly crowned lightweight champion, Ariel wanted to talk about him versus Tony, him versus Khabib, all these different matchups. And Connor wanted to talk about Floyd. That's all he wanted to talk about. And that's what they spent like a majority of that Q&A on. And thus the fight was born. I still think that fight was one of the weirdest and one of the most amazing things that could have been done for MMA. Just kind of a a weird outcome. It's definitely bad for boxing. I'm kind of losing sight of the actual question. I'm just trying to paint the picture of like remind everybody what we were all thinking about leading up to that fight and kind of how it was. But like winning that. So if Conor would have won that fight, just imagine what if I like to always think about this, like would he have stayed in boxing and try and get like some more money fights in boxing or would he have gone to MMA having realized like, ah, eh, this isn't for me. I need to, to go back to MMA because I kind of thought that if he lost, he would go back. But that seemed to preclude him from doing that because he realized how much money he could be making and that um, there was really nothing to do. And then they stripped his title and he's like, well, fuck it. I'm not coming back until they, they dragged him back for the Khabib fight because Khabib slapped Artem. So there's a lot of things that happened. I think he would have fought Khabib anyway at some point. Whether or not, or not one of them was the champion would have been a different story. You know? Like... If they had got, if they hadn't gotten the deal done with the Mayweather's to make that that fight happen, Khabib probably was next in line. And then, Jesus, we, we might have even gotten fucking Khabib versus Tony. So Connor really fucked us. <laughs> How about that, dude? So many things to be. If you take like, it's like the butterfly effect. You take one thing out, the whole timeline is different. Interesting question. And there's not really an answer because it's all theoretical. Love it. Love G. Love Phil and Fight Geek. Great people. And before we get into some uh, other Twitter questions, I just wanted to get that one out of the way before I forget it because when people DM me questions, um, which that was, um, by the way, don't be shy. They're open. Um, But I I sometimes tend to forget them, so I wanted to get that one out of the way. Uh, but let's do some goddamn voice questions, right? That's what you came here for. You want to hear everybody. This question, let me tell you, this first question is from um, Andreas MMA from the Netherlands. This guy's a, a great follow. And I was I listened to this when I was fucking waiting to get through security. And I was laughing my ass off. Because he reminds me of Boss Rudin, his voice. I can't. I know it sounds like a dumb American thinks all Dutch people sound the same or whatever, but dude, I was literally like envisioning I was talking to Boss Rudin. But here we go. I'll let him, uh, you'll hear for yourself. How you doing, man? First of all, a love to all the MMA motherfuckers out there. Um, I'm talking about Andrade. Um, she went in aggressively and got rocked. After that, she got some elbows to the back of the head. Um, I mean, anyone who gets elbows to the back of the head gets rocked and gets knocked the fuck out. Just like happened to Andrade. I don't say that Ziang, and please correct me because I'm not very good in pronouncing names, as we noticed, like Khabib Nurmagomedov. Also not very good, but doesn't matter. Um, 
but she 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 got some elbows through the back of the hat, what which is illegal. She tried. She went in too aggressively, maybe. I want to know your opinion, man. What do you think about those elbows on the back? Just listen to the way he says, elbows to the back of the head. Sounds just like Boss Rudin. It's unbelievable. Uh, I talked about this a little bit in my recap. I disagree that they were illegal. Uh, I disagree that they were the back of the head. Um, did, I mean, there's an argument that... Uh, her forearm is kind of what was on the side. But again, if you're making contact with the ear, it's legal. And it was all in a wild exchange where Andrade was like dipping her head. So I don't think um, Zhang was fighting dirty by any means. Um, certainly the ref was sleeping during that. Uh, it was probably, you know, the fact that they were fighting early as fuck. I mean, yes, it's it was like, you know, local time, probably like in the evening. Uh, but as far as, uh, you know, the ref wasn't from there. So he's on a different timeline as far as his internal body clock is concerned. The ref was, was not really as on it as he should have been. But, dude, th- those were legal in my opinion. However, and I didn't say this earlier when we talked about what's next for, for Zhang Weili. You could sell a rematch um, for sure. And it's interesting how, like, they talked about the title fights being held in the contender's backyard. And that's like a a weird trend we've been seeing. And I think that's like so strange that they're doing that. It's wild. Like the fact that they were talking about making um, Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky in Australia is bananas. And, and yeah, Max says the whole thing about like, that's what Kings do. They go to other villages and take other, other Kings thrones or whatever. Like, but at the same time, dude, you're the champion. They have to come to you. So the fact that Rose went to Brazil, the fact that Andrade turned around and went to China, like, what are they doing? It's it's so weird. So it's, uh, it's almost like very clear that they wanted Jessica to win, and then they wanted Jung to win. So what the fuck, dude? If they make the next, uh, or the, if they make Whaley's first title defense, uh, in the territory of her neighbor, you can be damn sure they want the uh, opponent to win. The neighbor, I meant, I meant the, the contender. You know what I mean, Jesus. But that was a good question. I don't, I don't. Like I said, you could like slow it down and show me all these other angles where oh, it's look on the back of the head. But um, from what I saw, it was at least making contact with the ear, which is legal. And and what did hit the back of the head was Jessica like dipping into it. Um, it's not like anytime it touches the back of the head, it's, it's illegal. Like if there's a wild flurry and it, you know, intent matters a lot when it comes to fouls and illegal strikes. So the intent was not there. Um, that was just like Andrade rushing in, in my opinion. with myself podcast it's smoky j here from australia oh fuck man ufc 242 abu dhabi next weekend fucking habib nomagamedov versus dustin poirier i know exactly how this fight's gonna go down man because we've fucking seen it a heap of times before 
in the fight between Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, fucking Eddie Alvarez had Dustin fucked on the ground, man. The only reason that fight got stood back up was because of that illegal 12 to 6 elbow. Now replace fucking Eddie with Habib in that situation and tell me how that plays out. Habib by fucking smash all day. Bye. Habib. I uh, got in one last one at the end. Habib, dude. I love it. Can you imagine Smokey J with his own fucking radio channel? Like, Hello here, Smokey J from Australia. Kicking some smooth jams. But first we're going to play some fucking metal. Anyway, uh, no. I refuse to, uh, to accept that comparison. I refuse to watch or talk about that fight with Eddie Alvarez. That was a different scenario. That was a rematch in which Dustin got badly kneed uh, illegally in the first fight. And that psychology was playing into his mind. That's what I choose to believe. Um, Yes, I'm a Dustin fan. I'm also an Eddie fan. So that kind of doesn't uh, play into it too much there. But... uh, but no, I think, and, and I think also Dustin Poirier is someone who has learned from those mistakes and he, he gets better every fight, especially, and I'm going to talk about this when I give my picks, the fact that he's now like more so working with King Mo now that King Mo's retired and can spend more time as a coach. This is paramount to his success in my opinion. And I don't think... We're going to have Khabib smash just because Eddie did that um, in their second fight. I, I don't think so. You could be right. I could be looking like a huge dickhead. But um, if I worried about looking like a dickhead on my podcast, I wouldn't even do the podcast. So there you go. Anyways, I love Smokey J. I didn't mean to sound upset, but no. No. This is somewhat of a de- this next question is a, somewhat of a debut and yet really a familiar voice at the same time. Take it away. What's up, Juice? It's the Punk Rock Dad, and I'm here with the champ. Say hi. Hi. Say what's up, Juice? Yeah, I do. We're gonna try to give you some uh, quick predictions for what is it, two forty-two? So we have Paul Felder, Edson Barbosa. Who? Paul Felder or Edson Barbosa? Edson Barbosa. Okay, so that's Edson Barbosa. Then we have Dustin Poirier taking on Khabib. Who's going to win? Khabib. Khabib? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell him, rock on. Rock on. Peace out, dude. Oh, my God. I love it so much, man. The champ making his FWM debut. Uh, it warms my heart a lot. If you don't follow... AJ the Giant's dad on Twitter. Get on your fucking app right now and change that shit uh, because uh, the champ is a good um, source of positivity on your timeline when you've got people arguing about the fucking uh, uh, how to cook your steak or some other bullshit or talking about titty pictures. Um, We got the champ keeping it real uh, on the broadcast with a fucking going for the ankle pick on Punk. Such a such a good part of Twitter, dude. <laughs> he made me laugh 
first of all, every time he tells the champ to give me a shout out on those videos, he sounds like he's saying Jew instead of juice. Like even just now, he's like, tell him what's up, juice. He's like, I thought Jew. Oh, it's so cute. And when he when he gave his big for Felder Barboza, I heard it and I was like, oh, Paul Felder, cool. And then he was like, all right, so it's a Barboza. And I was like, what? It was like, well, I heard Felder. I guess he said Barboza. I don't speak champ. So I'll defer to Punk on that. Um, so I guess we disagree. Spoiler alert on both. Uh-uh. But uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Dude, if, if the champ is right on those two, you got to start um, asking him to, to pick your fights from now on. <laughs> Although I have a feeling you may have written those down at this point. Here we go. This is, uh, well, you know who this is. This is a good, an old favorite of the show. What's up, Fighting With Myself podcast? It's your boy. I say dude a lot. And I got a question for you. This weekend, we got the big event. Khabib the Eagle, Nurmagomedov against Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Who you got? Who you got, Juice? Oh, yeah. I got to say a big what up to the DM crew. Love you, motherfuckers. That's all I got. Oh, wait. Fuck Pam. <laughs> Even the title of this says hashtag fuck Pam. And if you don't know... What we're talking about, you don't know. But if you know, you know. Um, that's a little inside joke. Uh, <laughs> dude, this is an interesting question. When you phrase it like that, what's better for the sport? See, I, I took that to me in a different way. But when, when you took it, you talk about the matchups. And so you make a good case. If Khabib wins, there's a better chance for Tony to fight for a belt which has been pretty much the theme of this podcast since day one. Tony Ferguson needs his goddamn title shot. I don't care who it's against. Um, I don't care if they strip Khabib and do an interim fight between Tony and Henry Cejudo. I would actually love to see that, by the way. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Tony would wipe the floor with that fucking cringy fuck. Oh, my God. But that's a, that, that's a tangent. Um Tony Ferguson needs a title shot. So, yeah. Do I want to see Tony and Khabib? Yes. But I also just want to see him against the winner of this fight because um, Tony Ferguson needs a belt around his waist again, and that is what is good for the sport, in my opinion. It's good for me and my fucking health. But when I when I first heard your question, before you clarified about what's good for the sport, like I think, in my personal opinion, Dustin Poirier is a better role model and would make a better champion. Um, first of all, he's got probably more years left in him. Khabib is already talking about retirement. He's fantasizing about retiring 30-0. and 0. Um, He's talking about fighting George St. Pierre, which needs to die. Um, I do not want to see George St. Pierre fight Khabib. I don't want to see George St. Pierre fight anyone, really, um, because he basically um, beat the system and went out on top twice. So... Um, I want him to stay that way. I want our legends to remain in a fucking glass case and not be fighting young, hungry Russians, okay? And um, I want 
Do I want Habib versus Tony? Yes. But do I want a champion who gives his fucking purse to charity? Yes. And don't tell me about the wealth thing. I know about the wealth thing. Do I want a champion who fucking came up the hard way? Yes. Do I want a champion that's misogynistic? No. These are all things that are in my mind when I talk about this fight. And you guys know I pick with my heart. I don't give a fuck. Pick with my heart. Pick with my dick. I don't give a fuck. Certainly don't pick with my brain. And if I do, that betrays me as well. So I don't give a fuck. But God damn it. The way you phrase it makes me so like... Because, yeah. There's potentially better matchups for um, for the division if Khabib wins. Uh, because if Dustin wins, they're absolutely going to make that Connor fight. I mean, something tells me that it's not a, it wouldn't be a 100% done deal. Like... You know, Dustin would need more money, and um, Connor would probably want more money as well, since the pay per view situation is not great any, anymore. You know, so that's something to think about as well. But I think they get it done. I think it's like a ninety percent done deal, if not ninety five. All right, moving on. Hey, what's happening? Just in the next day, maybe That's as only way as MMA. Fuck man, it feels good to be back. Yeah, I missed last week's episode. It's because I must be the casual. Yeah, right, right in the action. The Jojo Calderwood fight in KGB Lee. Just want to know your thoughts. Yeah, and what's for the winner, basically. Let's go, Jojo. Have fun, guys. Nice short message. See you later. I love it. I'm picking Jojo. I'm going to pick Jojo for this fight. And it's a tough fight, but I think she can get it done. That's terrible. Anyways, dude, uh, what's next for the winner? Now, that's an interesting question. Um, if, see, I, I'm i in the camp that I think JoJo beat Kaylin Chukagian. And right now, it's looking like Kaylin Chukagian is going to fight Valentin Shevchenko. And it was clear that they wanted the winner of, of that fight basically to be the number one contender. And even though Caitlyn versus Jessica in her last fight was also number one contender fight, so that was kind of weird. Um, but uh, JoJo had a nice streak together. Uh, she had put together a nice win streak before the loss to Caitlyn Chikagan. So getting back in the win column could put her in line for the next shot as well. KGB would be on more of a win streak if she won. But I don't know if a win over JoJo is enough for a title shot because she doesn't have as big a name as JoJo, if that makes sense. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Like, I'm a KGB fan. Like Her overcoming uh, a fucking human garbage husband. Um, uh-oh, I'm virtue signaling again. Uh-oh, I'm virtue signaling. But dude, um, KGB Lee's got a great story and a great fucking style. Um, I can't remember what fight it was, but... Um, I uh, I told my dad. My dad is like a, he's not like he's below whatever like casual is on the scale. He's below that. Like he's like a casual casual. Like um, my dad used to watch boxing back in the day. Doesn't keep up with it anymore. But if I tell him there's some free fights in on ESPN, he'd be like, "All right, I'll, I'll do watch some fights." And he um, he'll uh, talk about them with me. And um, it might have been Andrea's UFC debut, but he was like. He was like, this is a fucking war. I love it. Um, so KGB Lee's style like transcends, you know, 
even if you're a, a, not a hardcore fan, you can get behind her style of fights. And um, I loved uh, I loved her in the uh, her last fight. I think it was like on the on the desk. They were talking about how she wanted to have her daughter with her. Like she's sweet and she's got a great story. And um, to be honest, I would I would like either to win. But I'm definitely more of a JoJo fan. If you have not heard um, her interview with Ariel Hawani when she fought at UFC 203, I believe, in Cleveland, she was saying how she told a story about how she met a homeless guy that um, was trying to get, um, well, I don't know if he's trying to get into the fight, but they were talking outside the hotel or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'm fighting. And uh, he's like, okay, cool. She left some tickets for him at Will Call so he could go to the fight because she had some extra tickets and she's, you know, not from there. So she didn't have any family that would come see the fight. And she lost. But the guy, and you can go find her Instagram as well. Like, go back in those dates. It was like September of 2016, I want to say. Whenever that car was, it was 203. You can go on her Instagram. She posted the note. He, she lost that night. Uh, might have even been against Jessica Andrade. He left her know like you're still a warrior. You've got a good heart. Like she just exudes that energy, and that was like a, a total stranger. She she gave him tickets, and and that caused him to write that message. It's beautiful. Um, so I like shit like that. So, you know, JoJo for the win. Listen to me, not even talking about their stylistic matchups, but basically it's two Muay Thai strikers going back and forth. Um. I want to say uh, KGB probably has better jujitsu, but um, Jojo did get a, a good triangle off her back a couple fights ago. So you never know. Interesting. Interesting matchup, that is. But I still got Jojo. What's up, Juice? It's the Punk Rock Dad. And I want to talk about the lightweight division real quick. Um, we have Khabib versus Poirier this, this weekend, and regardless of who wins that, Tony Ferguson's obviously the clear-cut next contender, but if, knock on wood, something were to happen to him, who steps up and, to take that spot? And don't say McNuggets, because fuck him. Um, I honestly, I have no clue. I looked at the rankings, I don't see who would be an actual, real, legitimate contender who deserved it. Uh, Felder Barbosa winner, but that's even pushing it, I'd say. All right, as always, rock on. Hashtag fuck Pam. Huh. We got hashtag fuck Pam in there again. Dude, this is interesting. And um, yeah, let's knock on one that that doesn't happen, that we, we get everything in the right manner it's supposed to be. But I think the fact that Felder Barbosa is the co-main or it's even on the same card is an indication that they could be next because the they like to put the contenders on the same card so that they'll be on the same timeline i believe we talked about this last week i believe the winner if they can put john jones in a title fight at msg or maybe in vegas the following month the winner of Johnny Walker and Corey Anderson is getting that shot because just simply because of the time frame and their spot in the division. And that's kind of what I think is happening with um, Barboza and Felder here. Um, or you could potentially do the winner of Cerrone Gaethje, 
but it's not like, you know, set in stone. You can also do like a mini tournament if if you know if things play out correctly, you could have the winner of Felder Barboza fight the winner of Cerrone Gaethje, and that person gets title shot. Although if Barboza and Gaethje are both the ones to emerge victorious, I don't want to see that happen again. That happened in, in February or I believe sorry March, and Gaethje knocked him the fuck out. Um, there's some people talking about eye pokes. Um, that doesn't matter because Gaethje knocked him out. So guess I'm kind of rambling, but what I'm really saying is lightweight is so up in the air, dude. You can do that any which way. So we're going to, we're going to, in this case, we have to be like Dana and be like, let's see how this thing plays out because, um, the, whoever wins, uh, on Saturday night is going to determine a lot. Uh, like I don't think, um, you know, Tony's fighting the winner regardless, you know, which is sad, which is very sad. And before I forget, I just realized I missed uh, some some couple questions that came in early. So I want to get those in as well. This is from, please unblock me, Tony Ferguson. Uh, again, you should follow her. She's great. Yo, Juice, it's me. Please unblock me, Tony Ferguson. Uh, question for the podcast today is, uh, what life and that never happened uh do you want to see the most or that you did want to see the most uh, my personal one is Cruz versus Burrell because i'm a big fan of both make sure to answer this on the podcast and also if you're listening to this uh make sure to listen to the generic mma podcast on anchor we got some great we got some great uh people on there uh juice you're more than welcome to uh come on anytime you want uh, it would be our honor uh congratulations on the wedding and the honeymoon and um it's great to be back. Well, I would love to check out the generic MMA podcast, and I'd be more than pleased to be on. So I'll, I'll check it out, uh, dude. This is like I was thinking about this as well uh, because for for me, number one is Tony Khabib, like above all. But we're like on the cusp of maybe getting to see that. I should knock on some wood here. Um, just like uh, Punk did, but we are we are so close to potentially getting that that it doesn't even seem like it's something that I can talk about, you know, as an answer to one of these like fantasy questions, um, because it's 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 right there to be made. Even if they don't like, it's right there to be made. They're in their primes. They're fighting at the same time. Like another one of those that didn't happen for me. Uh, you know, Anderson Silva versus GSP back in the day, but. Another thing, and this is like something that was talked about on the MMA Marks podcast. Um, these are good friends of mine, Buddy and Ricky. You should check them out. They did like a um, uh, fantasy fight card. They picked the whole thing. And one of them on there was uh, Dan Henderson versus Chuck Liddell. I can't, I can't remember who picked it. I want to say it was Ricky. And then the other one was like, why not Jan- Dan Harrison versus John Jones? That was literally going to happen. That was scheduled and it never did. And dude, the fact that John Jones backed out of that and never gave him the opportunity makes me think that he was worried about it. Like he worried about that H-bomb. And we all know John Jones is not uh, interested in taking risks. Now, that kind of that thought went out of my mind 
when I saw them in Submission Underground. If you guys didn't know, I want to say it was like the third event that Chael put on uh, Submission Underground, his grappling promotion. John Jones, they were like the main event, and John Jones manhandled Dan Henderson. He basically made him look like someone who's never grappled in their life. Uh, not really. I mean, I mean, this is an Olympian and a, a, also a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and John Jones uh, made him look like he wasn't on his level. And I, I want to say he even got him with an arm triangle, which is such like a wrestler move, which is just so disrespectful to get a wrestler with a wrestler move. Um, so that was on the list until I saw that submission underground. But I would say like Anderson Silver and GSP in their primes, um, or even like, you know, it sucks, but like Chael Anderson 3 is something that like could have happened just because the first fight was so dominant and um, Silver getting the triangle felt like such a Hail Mary. Um, and Chael basically shitting the bed and um, missing that spinning back fist in their second fight just like it made me think like even though Anderson at that point was two and zero against him, I'm like, there's a case to be made for a third fight here. You know, we can make that happen. And Anderson might not, although he might have a hard time getting fights. But Chael would take that fight even though he's retired. Fuck. These questions like these are so great, but um, they're also so hard to answer. We could we could literally do a whole episode on fights. Um, that we want to see the most that never happened. There's a Fedor versus Randy Couture. Hello. I mean, there's so many fights that we missed out on, um, because of, you know, UFC not wanting to do a fucking cross promotion. It's a terrible. Oh, and this is great. Also from Please and Bobby Tony Ferguson. This one, I have to re- read the title because the title, and this is, you'll see why, um, I have to read the title. The title says my thoughts on Colby Covington. And I don't know what that is, but I can tell it's negative. And uh, that's why I put it on there, because let's be honest, Colby sucks. And I'm saying that because that's what he wants. All right, moving on. (laughs) This is someone, uh, dude, I was thinking about this when I was looking back. This this gentleman, I believe, was the first uh, voice message on this show and really caused everyone else to basically grow a pair and get on here. So thank you for that, and thank you for this message, even though, uh, well, you'll see. What it look like finding myself. It's your boy Genghis, up in Asbury. All hungover and shit. Rain ain't working great. I can't think of the upcoming cards. I like that Chinese shit, though. That was dope. I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you explain why we should allow you to stay in New Jersey after your bullshit top five the other day. I mean, that was some fight words right there, bro. Right, I'm going to get to my fuck yous in a week. Send a big fuck you over to sit in Boston. You are a piece of shit. You will always be a piece of shit. Uh, send a giant fuck you down to Pam. Fuck Pam. And the biggest fuck you of all goes to Aaron Jackson for that bullshit top five. Better get your shit together, motherfucker, and come back correct. 
Can we talk about how he said, I like that Chinese shit. That was dope. <laughs> Imagine Dana White saying that at a press conference. Like, yeah, the Chinese shit was dope, right? <laughs> Can't get enough. All right. So I, I basically issued a public apology last episode. And that's apparently not good enough. So I've got to I've gotta do this again. So I've put together a new top five. Um, now my top five favorite fighters. Here we go. Number one. Roxanne Mataferi, can't that that will never change. Number two, Michael Bisping, that will never change. Number three, uh, Frankie Edgar. Number four, The Answer, and uh, number five, Frankie Motherfucking Edgar. Do you like that? Is that good enough for you? <laughs> Jesus, I do love Frankie though. Uh, he's the shit, and um, I really want to see him at bantamweight. I was kind of against it, but now I'm like, if he can actually make that weight, he could, he could do really well there. And there's, there's like fresh matchups and that's the problem. Like Frankie has fought everyone at 145 now. And, um, well, he's not really going to go back to 155, but, um, him fighting at 135, there's a ton of matchups. So I'm into it. Love it. Love you, Genghis. You're the fucking man. All right. Here's a the title of this the, the title of this uh, message says weird sexual energy. What's up, fighting with myself podcast? To boy, I say dude a lot. Uh, weed hungover on this Sunday morning, a little out of touch with reality. Um, you know we could talk about the fights this last weekend. I'm sure you'll review it all earlier. I'm going to talk about this weekend coming up. Um, who's better for the sport? Who, whose win will be better for the sport? If you go, you know, Khabib, you end up with a Tony fight, pretty obviously. If Dustin wins, I think that, you know, I'd like to see Dustin and Tony, not as much as I'd like to see Khabib and Tony. And I think Dustin opens the door for the rematch with Connor, which I don't like. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of weird homosexual energy between Wallace and Pam. I don't know, it's starting to freak me out. Like This question is interesting for a number of reasons. One, when he said weird sexual energy, I I I saw that and I'm like, what's this about? Hit play. And the tone of his voice, I thought he was trying to say he was coming with a weird sexual energy. And I was like, is he coming on to me? What's going on here? And uh, I started laughing and I was like, dude, what's going on? And then he hit it at the end. And two, I've just realized that my brain knew about this question. And I think I... Um, substituted that question in the Macho Man one, unless he really did ask it twice. Um, so I'm sorry I fucked up. But I already answered that. So to touch on the weird sexual energy, um, I'll say I'm into it. Got no problem with it. So yeah, I answered it prematurely. Because I predicted the future. I knew you were going to ask that. So, 
Uh, I apologize for confusing everyone earlier when I started talking about something that was not even referenced yet. But, uh, you know, you can't win them all. All right, those are, those are for the voice questions. Please uh, send more. Um, I even, I've even gotten a few lately that are, like, not even uh, stuff for the podcast, just kind of quick messages like, keep doing your thing or whatever. Um, those make me feel good. So, you know, the door is open. Send those anytime. Or if you want to send criticism uh, that can be heard in the form of your actual voice, do that. Instead of fucking baiting on online, uh, trying to pretend that, uh, you know, you're actually being constructive and you're just trolling. There's a lot of that going on. And that gets a quick mute, baby. Huh. How about that? These first couple questions come from the man known as G period with the red circle, a black circle and a gray circle. And the handle currently says Beancake SS. Um, he just says, just appreciate. And he has a screenshot of his picks on Verdict, all being correct. Uh, feel free to do that um, if you guys rub it in. And use Verdict, people. It's an awesome app. Uh, but he says, who would win in a fight between a bean and a noodle? Obviously, the noodle is going to wrap around the bean, choke it out. Like a boa constrictor style. However, and this is, this guy changes his fucking profile all the time. And I just realized his verdict screenshot, his his username on verdict says juicy underscore cap, which was born on this podcast, if you'll remember. So you're welcome. Um, And earlier in the week, he told me I should shout out the toilet on the podcast. That was his handle at the time. And now it's no longer. So I don't know. But this next question from him says, imagine your toilet spoke to you while you were sat on it, minding your own business. Your reaction? Oh my God. If my toilet spoke to me, I would probably lose my shit. <laughs> I was say I'll lose my shit. <laughs> I would probably lose my mind. Uh, like I might actually pass out from, from fear. That's just, dude, what the fuck? These are great. Keep sending them. Dude, this guy, such an enigma. All right. This, uh, these next two questions are from Mixtadudu at Mixtaman, who is a great follow. Anyone not following him should fix that. And he says, how hard is Daniel White right now as he straps this belt on Wei Lee? Like, super hard. And you know what I'm talking about. We talked about in the recap. It was very clear they wanted her to win. Very clear. Dude, get into that market with China. Crazy. And then he says, also, how do you see the UFC competing with Ryzen and 1FC if they were to make a serious push into China like they did Brazil a while back? And I'm going to sort of parlay that or or whatever how however you want to say it link it with another question that was submitted to me via email from the raging sweet potato love this guy and it was a great question so let me play that it's kind of uh part of it 
Hey there, Juice. It's the Raging Sweet Potato, all the way from the northern wilds of Canada, eh? Now, I got a question for you, if you don't mind me asking. Yesterday morning, we saw Zhang Wei Li become the first ever Chinese UFC champion with her dominant victory over Jessica Andrade at UFC Shenzhen. Now, I know you're aware of the story of Zhu Dong, the Chinese MMA fighter exposing phony and exaggerated traditional martial arts masters in China over the last few years, for which he's been punished by the Chinese government. Now, Costco opened its first China store in Shanghai on Tuesday, and the place was so overwhelmed they had to close the doors after only five hours due to the extremely high number of shoppers. Combine in the Hong Kong protests, and right now it looks like the people of China and the Chinese government have seemed to have diametrically opposing views on westernization. My question is, with the people pushing for more westernization and the government looking to stem the tide, do you think that the current timing of the UFC's push into China is going to work for them or against them? Will the current geopolitical landscape be a help or a hindrance for Papa Ari and Uncle Dana? Ah, oh, crap. I gotta go. Them damn beavers are chewing on my dog sled again. <laughs> so Canadian, dude. And it, the reason why these are, these are linked, let me just tell you. So just to remind you, the question from Mix is, how do you see the UFC competing with Ryzen and 1FC if they're making a serious push into China like they did uh, Brazil a while back? Ryzen is pretty much focused on Japan, and um, the UFC hasn't really made an effort to go back to Japan like they once did uh, when they acquired Pride. Um, I think they've had like only a couple fights there. Um, and what what the Raging Sweet Potato had to say about the push for westernization has a big influence on, on mixed question of, of competition because Shatri Sijitong of 1FC says all the time that their fan base is completely different from the UFC and that the, you know, Asian market is very much rooted in traditional values and all this sort of thing. However, the push for westernizations is there. And I really do believe that there's room for both. Um, I don't think they'll necessarily be competing. I think those diametrically opposing views, as he alluded to, are going to be basically the family. You're going to, it's basically going to be like a Venn diagram where there's some overlap of, of people enjoying both, but you're going to have the people that are rooting those traditional values who enjoy one more, one FC or one championship. And, um, you're going to have the people pushing for westernization who like the UFC more. Um, obviously, with Zhang Weili now being the champion, it's going to draw more eyes in general for, from the from the Chinese population. But that's a big that's a big part of it. So I think the UFC to answer a mixed question, I think they can um, make a push and and be competitive in that market. There's also something that has not been mentioned, and this is like. A bit of news that was announced, like I want to say, almost a year ago, and now it hasn't been really—I uh, haven't heard much from it. Anyway, is that um, Adi Attar, um, who you know of, of Paradigm Sports, Conor McGregor's manager, he he acquired or did a deal, or see the the details are foggy because again they they sort of made this announcement and, and have been sort of quiet. There's a Chinese promotion. That's almost like on the regional scene out there that uh, they're making a deal with to try and and get more stars over in that area. So there's a lot of competition, but I think there's a lot of people as evidenced by that Costco having to close its doors.
So there's room for everybody, baby. But this, but what also the swoop tail, the swoop tail, what the Raging swoop tail touched on with um, Xu Xiaodong. Are you, by the way, are you um, Asian? Because that your pronunciation was so on point with that, um, and I just butchered it. But that gentleman Xiaodong is such an interesting story. If you guys don't know it, look it up. It's a, it's a, he's a Chinese MMA fighter who is um, basically challenging. Um, masters of traditional martial arts in china like wushu and kung fu to basically an, a mixed rules fight or open rules fight and he's starching them like it's not even competitive uh i seen a clip and this guy was trying to trying to do some some wushu and the guy basically just hit him with a straight left and uh dropped him and fall up with some ground and pound like it was just not even not even funny um and I was actually thinking about this when I when I was reading this story. Tony Ferguson, or let me back up, Zhang Wei Li on her Instagram a while ago had posted a clip of Tony Ferguson saying, saying that she's a fan of his, and part of that is because he uses like he was doing a drill on this like dummy, and it was uh, it was like some wushu technique, and she was like he's implementing wushu, it's a traditional Chinese martial art, and I was like, yeah, but Wei Li, you don't fight like that, does like. It was very confusing to me because it was almost sort of evidence that, like, that's not really effective. And also in this article about uh, Zhao Dong, there's a Shaolin monk who is backing him, basically saying that what he's doing is good because he's exposing the people that are um, trying to take advantage of, of people's, you know, culture and, and mindset with the traditional martial arts. But he also said that the root of Kung Fu, the base of it is more of a sp- for spiritual gain and it's about centering yourself and not necessarily for use in hand-to-hand combat. So um, if, if someone is a true Kung Fu master in that respect, they shouldn't be testing themselves against an MMA fighter because uh, that kind of goes against the principle of it. It's very interesting. I mean, again, you kind of have to look at it with a different lens because of the um, the different background, but the fact that there's that guy who's getting basically threatened by the government and had to go into hiding because he's challenging those masters, you know, that says something. But such a great question. Again, Swoop Tail coming in with those fucking questions that uh, are hard to answer. And um, I just realized there's another one I forgot because I want, so I wanted to to get this in there because this person would be making their FWM debut. And I've been waiting for this person to send in a question. I've been waiting and they finally did. Mr. Tittlewings here. I got a question for you. What kind of shampoo do you use on that head of hair of yours? Looking all silky and shiny. You need to know. The people want to know. Hashtag fuck Hurricane Pamela. Uh, love Kenneth Robert, man. Shouts to you and your family uh, having to... Uh, basically, I think they're in the, the zone for Hurricane... Well, we're now calling it Hurricane Pamela. I believe it was Dorian, but that's a terrible name. It's now Hurricane Pamela. Um, so, <laughs> shouts to anyone who is in Florida dealing with that. That that always sucks. Like New Orleans with Katrina. Like I never like to see that shit. Natural disasters are terrible. What shampoo do I use? Suave. That's what I use. Actually, when I was on the honeymoon, they had this like 
mandarin orange shampoo. And I, sh- I fucking should have taken it, dude. There was this Friends episode a long time ago that was like, you only take what the hotel owes you. And they were taking like all the free shit, the fucking soaps and the robes and shit. Um, I wish I had grabbed some of that because it was bomb. Anyway, love you, Kenneth. Great question. My shampoo. Ha! <laughs> Suave. There you go. All right, this... Um, this is not really a question, but it was it was put in the thread of the form, so I wanted to highlight it. Um, I won't read the reply, but you guys can go find it. Um, the reply made me laugh. But um, this is from Frank the Tank. He said, strikes to the back of the head. Jessica got cheated, bro. Not a fan of either one, but the referee had a bad night on that one. Um, I'll agree with you a little bit that the referee had a bad night. However, I think those shots were legal. I think he could have done something to give them a warning, which could have changed the outcome, but they were perfectly legal. It was a, it was a wild exchange. You know, when illegal strikes are thrown in the midst of a wild exchange like that, it's really hard to call. And again, I don't really think they were legal or I don't really think they were illegal. Uh, I think there's at least a case to be made one way or the other because the contact with the ear going back to that. But thank you for submitting Frank. Frank sometimes will leave comments and I'm like, I, I don't know if I should read this because it's not a question, but um, if you're listening, thank you for your support. And um, I disagree, but I'm not bullish on it. It's certainly something we can create a dialogue about. And this next question is from MMA by Milliken. He says, who should Paige Van Zandt fight next and should she hit the bricks afterwards? Um, I think he's alluding to her interview with Ariel Hawani where she basically said she has one fight on her deal and she wants to fight it out. And I think she should. Um, I'm not in the camp that like that thinks Paige is overpaid because I think they are all worth that. I, I, I would more say the other girls are underpaid. And like she told a story about negotiations for one fight or maybe maybe just a whole contract. And they were saying, well, I can't pay more than a female champion. And her responses are basically like, why are you underpaying that female champion? Like the female champion should be making as much as the male champions. And I should be able to make more like they should be making more than me. So I can make more like it, it, there's so much fucking money at the top MMA that there's not enough trickle down. In my opinion, there's more to go around. Like, um, Cajun Johnson told this story about, um, the fighters summit that they had right after the WME acquired the Zufa basically, or, or the UFC and Ari Emanuel walked by and he kind of introduced himself and he was like, you know, hope you guys keep doing well or whatever, some kind of bullshit. And, um, Cajun was like, well, you know, we'll be happier if if we make more money. And Ari basically said, like, if we make more money, you make more money. And Cajun was like, okay, but there's enough now that we could be making more, you know, just food for thought. But her husband fights in Bellator and he's killing it. And Bellator treats her fighters better and they have in cage sponsorship, which is such a big deal for someone like Paige who has a lot of sponsors. So absolutely she should fight at her deal. Dude, I don't give a fuck. And as far as who should she fight next, I think I said this before, I think she should fight Roxy next. I think Roxy should get some of that PVZ shine. Um, And that'll be a fun fight. 
Josh, who posts dumb shit at All Dumb Posts, asks, how long before Henry Cejudo calls out Shang, and how fast would she beat the shit out of him? Real question, will the UFC put a big push behind her? Now, could we see her on the New York card or New Year's Eve card? She's huge in China, but I have to think the UFC wants the US fans also. Yeah, great question. I mean, to acknowledge the first part of the question, if Cejudo could physically make 115, even though it's not a real call-out, I think he would absolutely be calling Zhang out. Dude, if, Henry Cejudo needs to go away, dude. If you listen to his post-fight press conference when he fought and lost to Joseph Benavidez, he was like, I didn't get into the sport to be a big mouth. And now look what he is. A big mouth. I don't know. She like that pisses me off. Keep that same energy, if I can use that overused phrase. But, yeah, I think I think the UFC are like salivating at the mouth now that they have a Chinese champion. Uh, she's fresh. She didn't get any injury. I assume she had an injury-free camp, you know, relatively so anyway. She got out of there quick and didn't really get hit. So I don't know if they're going to try and push her on the New York card, but I would not be surprised at all if they put her on the New Year's Eve card. Absolutely. And there's contenders. There's plenty of contenders. Again, it, it depends on if uh, uh, Tatiana Suarez is healthy. But uh, the timing of that, you know, if she's not, the winner of... Um, Young Jacek and Watterson could definitely be fighting her on the New on the New Year's Eve card as well. And this is just something you guys should check out. Um, this is from uh, Mobley at Remember Mob, I guess. Or you know, Remember Mob. Um, it says, "I guess we all knew about Jang," and he has a picture of her. And I'm, the reason I'm shouting this out because I don't know if it's something he drew or you know created, but it's badass. It's kind of like, uh, has that like smoky kind of smudge effect and it's badass. So go check it out on my post for the forum. And then this next uh, question is from Alejandro Rodriguez says, what do you think about Lomachenko in MMA? He used to do wrestling in Muay Thai from what I've read and his boxing is phenomenal because of his footwork. Yeah, dude, this is something I've, I've thought about a lot and he is like a step above pretty much anyone he's fighting in boxing. But he would be competitive in MMA. And but but I don't, you know, stylistically, I don't know how that would go. Even though he used to do wrestling. I don't know if you guys saw the clip of his fight with fucking Campbell. Uh that guy shot a bullshit takedown on him, which is not even legal in boxing. And uh, took Loma down. Of course, he wasn't like defending it because it's not a legal thing. But uh, if a boxer can take Lomachenko down, a fucking Henry Cejudo could take him down. Basically, I mean Henry Cejudo's limping, take him pretty much anyone he wants. But I'm just saying, you know. Here's another thing, dude. Why isn't Henry? I mean, maybe he has. I muted him, but um, Henry Cejudo's probably gonna be calling Lomachenko as well. Fuck, dude. Didn't even think about that. He pisses me off so much. I should just not even talk about him on this podcast. But Lomachenko uh, in MMA, I think we'll only see that if he runs like completely out of options. Like if they don't make the Javante Davis fight or if they do and he beats him, 
you know, maybe. But I don't I don't see it happening because although he's you know considered one of the top uh, boxers by by most people, he actually hasn't had like a ton of boxing fights. You know, professional anyway. I think he's had a ton of amateur fights, and uh, his accolades speak for themselves. But I think he's got a lot to go in terms of like most boxing records. Like people get up to like you know in the forties and fifties with like you know a few years, so. He's still got a long way to go before he even considers MMA, I think. Good question, though. I think he would probably do well, but, you know, it depends on how kind they are to him in the matchups. If he goes to somewhere like Bellator, dude, they could get him to, like, 12-0, no problem in MMA with the right matchups. And this gentleman always posts, and it's not never usually a question, but I want to highlight it anyway, but it's, so it's from Tony B at T... I don't know how to pronounce the name, B-A-R-R-A-G-A-N-29. He just says, so happy right now. These are great times. Dude, I love the positive energy. Keep it going. This is from John at BecauseFuckYou5. He says, I got a question. How do you claim victory without being too much of a dick for calling this outcome early on? Safe travels. Dude, you have to be. You know, people on MMA Twitter are relentless. And um, when you can get a win, get a fucking win. Dude, if Dustin Poirier wins this weekend, I won't shut up about shut up about it for weeks, dude. And of course, I'm going to have fucking Dagestanis signing my DMs with death threats if Khabib wins. So that's something I'm willing to do. So if you put yourself out there and you made the prediction early on, you got to bask in that glory, man. Fuck it. Fuck the haters. All right, this next question is from at Cradle and Flames. Jay Brookley says, I've been waiting a few days to ask, what is your favorite band and what was the best band you've seen live and or concert experience you've, you've ever had? See, I don't have a favorite band. It's hard. Like my One of my favorite all-time bands is Queen. I love Queen. I also love the Beatles. I grew up on the Beatles, but... I'm always someone who prefers more like solo artists and I have such a weird taste because um, like my dad was really into the Beatles, but also like Billy Joel. And so that's all we had in my house growing up was like the Beatles and Billy Joel, not literally, but we're always like, it was always oldies. Um, So my fucking frame of reference is always like so off um, when it comes to that stuff. And um, the best band you've seen live in her concert experience. I haven't been to a lot of concerts because I'd rather spend my money on other things. However, I have, I've had two that I want to highlight. Um, so one of my favorite um, solo artists is uh, Ernie Halter. Uh, if you don't know him, look him up. He's great. Um, he's, he does mostly like indie folk music, but he also does like, he did an entire album where he covered like nineties R and B songs, which is fucking amazing. And he's working on an album. It may even be out yet. Cause I'm, I'm so needy in MMA that I haven't even kept up with most of the world. Um, but he's working on an album. If it's not already of just baby making tracks, which is just so funny to think about like that kind of thing. And so I saw him, uh, live in LA a couple times at the hotel cafe on Coenga which is an awesome spot if you haven't been there. And um, also the Room 5 Lounge, I think it's called, on, I want to say Melrose or somewhere on there. 
Maybe it's on La Brea. Like La Brea. No, not La Brea Melrose. Anyway, it's in that fucking Beverly Hills adjacent, like part of like West Hollywood uh, area. And he was so nice. Like uh, he's always so humble and uh, he's a fucking great ass songwriter as well. So Ernie Halter. Oh, and the other one, dude, this was like, this is such a crazy like night. So my friend, Andrew, who I do my other podcast with mixed martial opinions, should check that out. Um, we went and saw William Elliot Whitmore. He's a, he's a big William Elliot Whitmore fan. And he kind of got me into him. William Elliot Whitmore is like a, I want to call him like bluegrass. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like not traditional, but it's very like, I don't know, gritty kind of whatever. It's not like pussy shit. Um, if I can see, even say that without sounding like a dick, uh, and we were so drunk and that was when i tried arrogant bastard for the first time now arrogant bastard is like 12 percent alcohol above volume for a beer is like really high normally they're like five or seven um and it tastes like full brown asshole uh and i had a whole uh arrogant bastard and it was terrible and then we had a bunch of other drinks as well and we we're doing shots and i was talking to these girls and i decided that I should be Cockney. And I did the whole night I was doing a Cockney dialect and they were just eating this shit up. And then we had to go. And I, I, I always thought like, were they just drunk enough to believe it? Or was it actually good enough? And I never fucking found out because that it didn't want to fucking lift the curtain. I wanted to pretend to be British for the whole night. I do that often when I'm drunk. You mean that, that's the theme um, of me. But what can you do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this edition of the forum. Keep them coming uh, every every fight night. And this is a little bit off because A, it was on the honeymoon, and B, it was a fucking Saturday morning card. Uh, so the timing of that was weird. But I try and put a post usually around the time of the main event for every fight night so we can get a little bit of a... Uh, questions for the podcast, some discussion, and just uh, build a little community here. So um, we'll keep that going for next week. So fucking excited for this pay-per-view, dude. And we're going to break it down right now. And I'll give you my picks. All right, UFC 242, September 7th in Abu Dhabi. It's going down this Saturday. And let's get right into it. You know, I was talking about this with my buddy Leo, who uh, faithfully listens to the podcast because he's a good friend. And, um, you know, he said, should this even be a pay-per-view? He said, I know, my, I know it may sound strange, but should it even be a pay-per-view? And I wanted to kind of answer that on the podcast a little bit because this whole WME era or... I really shouldn't say that. I should say really the ESPN era. The pay-per-views have been a little shallow. And although this one is a little top-heavy, I think it's worth it. It's certainly better than uh, 240. I mean, 240, the fight's delivered. But on paper, it was uh, it was pretty weak. But this, to me, is... Uh, is a lot is a lot better. You've got a nice co-main and, and main. And to me, like, even though there's like certain fights on the prelims that could arguably be on the main card, I kind of factor that in when you talk about like 
price, even though you're only paying for the last five or however many it may be on any given pay-per-view, the the prelims matter. Like JoJo versus KGB, that's an amazing fight. Uh, Bilal Muhammad versus Takashi Sato, that's an amazing fight. Bilal, anytime he fights, is fucking uh, must-see TV, in my opinion. And we got a great fight in... Uh, Liana Lojuya fighting Sarah Morris. I think she's uh, fun to watch. And Zubaira Tokugov, uh, if you'll remember, that's Khabib's teammate who went there and um, was kind of shit-talking Artem and was part of the whole brawl. Like, seeing him return, like, that's part of that story. Um, and uh, so that, that, that's all exciting shit. So to me, that that, that matters. But regardless of those... Um, I think there's there's a lot to be excited about on every single one of these fights on the on the pay-per-view. So with that said, let's talk about the first fight on the pay-per-view. Mirbek Taisumov is taking on Carlos Diego Fajera. Mirbek is someone who really if they if he could clean up his fucking visa issues or whatever it is that precludes him from fighting in the states, he would be uh, a lot higher ranked. I, I actually don't believe he's ranked currently. He would be in the rankings, and if he's if if he is, he's probably like fifteen or or low in the tournament. He would be like, I think, very highly of this guy's uh, skills. Um, that fucking what is it, like a thirty second knockout or something of uh, Eric Silva was uh, damn impressive, and just all of his performances. He comes to fight. The guy's an animal. And for that reason, I'm picking him uh, to be Carlos Diego Fajeda. I mean, uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda has has given us some great fights. Uh, he's great, but he's no Mirbek Tysimov, dude. Um, this guy's a fucking animal. Um, he's Russian, so he's gonna have that going for him, being sort of near uh, nearby in Abu Dhabi. I just think there's a there's a lot to go in for, and I just I find it so damn hard to pick against the guy. He's a like I said, he's an animal. Dude, he's so talented, and and he just fights with like ferocity. I really think he's like a prospect to watch in the lightweight division. Um, again, if he had his visa sorted out, we would be seeing him in the fucking top fifteen already, if not top ten. So how's that? And the next fight isn't the best. I mean, sometimes a heavyweight fight, to be honest, like you're hoping for a quick knockout. Because if that doesn't happen, it's probably going to be sloppy. They're probably going to gas, and it's not going to be like the best fight, unless it's at the high level. Now, Curtis Blades versus Shamil Abdurrahimov, aka Shamil Abukabu, as Derek Lewis called him. I always think that's funny. I'll, I'll never forget that. Even though I can actually fucking pronounce his name, I always want to call him Shamil Abukabu because that was funny as fuck from Derek Lewis. Curtis Blades, when he wants to, can can make his style exciting. Like him beating uh, his fight against Justin Willis. The fact that Tai Tuivasa called it a rape case <laughs> tells you all you need to know. Um, he fucking wiped the floor with that guy and made it exciting. I watched him um, fight live at UFC 213. And I'm not someone that actually likes to boo a fighter like for their performance. 
I mean, if they're a piece of shit, I might boom in the post-fight interview. But during the live performance, I'm like, let him fight. Um, and he got booed the fuck out of uh, when he fought. I want to say it was like Omilanchuk or whatever, whoever he fought at UFC 213. And he was like, you guys booing me? I was like, yes, Curtis, they're booing you because you did nothing. And you held him up against the cage for three rounds. And it was boring as shit. But Curtis Blades has got wrestling that um, not many of the division can answer. Uh, that said, Shamil is a decent grappler in his own right. So I'm kind of excited to see how this plays out. I've got Curtis Blades, uh, but really anything uh, at heavyweight can happen. So again, I'm picking Curtis Blades, but I'm not... Uh, you know, I would not be surprised if Shamil takes it out. It's, it, for me, this is a tough fight to pick. And in the next fight, this is something very intriguing to me. Uh, Islam Makhachev fighting Davi um, Hamosh, spelled like Ramos. Um, dude, Davi is someone whose skills I think a lot of the... Um, the jujitsu, like his strength when he fucking gets those chokes. I'm like, how is anyone getting out of these? So for that reason, I almost picked him. But then I remembered Dagestani's going to Dagestani. And uh, Islam is probably going to fucking just grind out a decision on top of him. I mean, their submission defense, those Dagestanis, is like next level. And I don't see Davi knocking him out. I mean, it's not... Um, completely unlikely he's got decent striking but it's just something that would like islam's not even going to entertain that so um i think they'll hopefully make it entertaining like i think davi's probably the most accomplished grappler that islam has fought in mma but uh you know at least off his back so that kind of makes it interesting but it really comes with like sambo versus jujitsu and i think Sambo's going to take this so i got islam but again would not be surprised if uh, if Davi can can lock in a choke from the bottom, or yeah, some kind of like a like a guillotine or a triangle. I realize a triangle is kind of form of choke. All right, the co-main. We're almost there, guys. Almost there. Paul Felder taking on Edson Barboza. I kind of showed my cards a little bit earlier when the champ sent that call in, but. Something about Paul Felder just, like, I, I think he's on another level. Now, they did fight. Um, Edson got the nod. It was fight of the night. It was pretty back and forth. But I think it was a fairly clear-cut win for Edson. However, the, the where they're at in their careers is what makes this interesting. I think at that time, and I, we'd have to go back and, and remember... I think Paul was either training in Philly or at that time he might have been training in Nick Tones in New Jersey. He may have even been with Cowboy Jackson Wink. Either way, I think Edson was training with Mark Henry in New Jersey. And now he's left that camp and he's gone back with his, I think, original striking coach in Anderson Franca, and he's training an American top team, if I'm not mistaken. And that's all interesting to me because Paul Felder now is training with Duke Rufus, and I think since that move, it, it's, it's added so many facets to his game. Now, Paul is a tough motherfucker. 
And I was thinking about how Edson just beat the shit out of Dan Hooker, especially to the body. And Paul Felder, his defense, I think, is a little more sound than that. He's also, he fought with a punctured lung, dude. I don't know. Someone like that, it's hard to pick against. So even though history would say Edson has the advantage here, I think Paul Felder really wants to get that one back. And I think he's got the tools now. His his jiu-jitsu's gotten better. He's gotten better wrestling from from working with Rufus. I think he he works with Ben Askren a little bit. Not a lot. No, he he said that Ben doesn't really come to the gym, but um, I think he's gotten some working with him with Tyron as well. I know they they train together. All that kind of makes it intriguing for me. And I've got Paul Felder. But again, see, the reason why I love MMA is it's so goddamn unpredictable. And for me, a lot of these fights on the main card are a coin flip. So I love it. Um, All of my picks, basically, I'm I'm saying I'm picking the one, but I wouldn't be surprised on the other. And that's not to like sit on the fence. That's just indicative of how close these fights are. Um, And again, MMA, anything can happen. But I got to go with my man, Paul. Really like that dude. Fucking has a bachelor's degree in theater, just like myself. So always got to go with that. All right, now let's talk about the main event. I do not want to live in a world where we have predictable title fights. If that was the case, I would be watching boxing, but I'm not. What I love about MMA is that anyone can win on any given night. So am I going to be boring as shit and pick Habib just because he smashed everyone else? Absolutely not. I think Dustin Poirier is the most elite competition that Habib has faced. And unless we see the Tony fight, it's the most elite competition he will face. And that includes Conor, by the way. I know Connor beat Poirier, but I think right now Poirier is on another level than Khabib, and he brings a different game. The fact that he's working with King Mo on his takedown defense. I mean, on his wrestling in general, to help his takedown defense. He's got his black belt now. Just so many things. Yes, I could ignore them and just say, Khabib gonna Khabib. You know, Dagestan gonna Dagestan, which I said earlier. But dude, I'm not I'm not going to put that out there just because it's happened so many times before. I'm going to go with my heart, dude. And I do not want to fucking live in a world where we have dominant champions that are fighting cans. I want to live in a world where we've got contenders that can win on any given night. I had this more articulate in my head. And now I'm not really coming up with any reasons, but um, I'm just, I got to go Poirier. And I don't care how that makes me sound. I don't give a fuck. You can ridicule me all you want. Did a Khabib wins? You can call me uh, uh, backwards hick or whatever you want. And I was thinking about this too. My whole life, been an underdog. And so whenever there's a massive underdog, I always root for them. Always. I don't care. It's more fun if they win. 
Did Habib wins? Great. Good for him. He's awesome. He's probably the best uh, 155er on the planet, not named Tony Ferguson. But that doesn't mean I have to want him to win. And these picks are mostly who I want to win. How about that? And I want to leave you guys with this. So again, I'm picking Dustin. We've got I've got Mirbek Tysimov, Curtis Blades, Islam Makhachev, Paul Felder, and Dustin Poirier. And new baby. That wasn't a good setup for the next part. But I want to add some culture to this podcast. So if you just listen for the picks and you don't like culture, you could turn this off right now. And thank you for listening. I appreciate it. It still counts as a listen. And if you don't like Shakespeare, turn this off right now. But the other day I was, I was listening, I was reading a, not reading, fuck. I was watching one of my favorite clips from, from a Shakespeare film. And that is Henry V, St. Crispin's Day. Now, let me set the scene. They are, the, the English are about to go into battle where the odds are, they're outnumbered five to one. Just sheer numbers, they're out there, the odds are against them. And the whole army is like ready to fucking quit. And what does the king do? He steps up and gives them an amazing speech and says, He that hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made and crowns for convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. And talks about the, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. Um, and just just amazing, this inspiring speech. And one of the guys... Uh, who said that he wishes they weren't outnumbered after the speech says, would you and I alone, we could win this battle. Like that's how fucking uh, inspired uh, they were after this speech. One of the best speeches written in any, um, anything really. And then after that, the Herald, the Herald from the constable um, of France comes and asks for ransom, which is basically surrender. And this is what the king had to say. Who hath sent thee now? I pray thee bear my former answer back. Bid them achieve me and then sell my bones. Good God, why should they mock poor fellows thus? Let me speak proudly. Tell the constable, we are but warriors for the working day. Our gayness and our guilt are all besmirched with rainy marching in the painful field. But by the mass, our hearts are in the trim. Herald, save thou thy labour. Come thou no more for ransom, gentle Herald. They shall have none, I swear. But these my joints, which, if they have, as I will leave them them, shall yield them little. Tell the constable. And that is the vibe I'm getting from Dustin Poirier. 25 minutes to make life fair. That's all we need, dude. You heard it here first. The diamond and new.
Thank you for listening to the Fighting With Myself podcast. You can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Questions, as always, can be submitted uh, via voice on the Anchor app. Um, and I tweet out the link quite often on Fight Nights. Also, you can uh, record it on your own or email another type of question to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. Um, please keep the questions and comments coming. Um, this is meant to be interactive, and I'd love to hear from you guys. So keep that, uh, keep those responses, uh, good or bad. I want to hear from you. So on that note, I will sign off here. Say good night and good fights.